The second lesson, which is also the sermon text, is from the Revelation of St. John, chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, which was as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of the city street and on each side of the river was a tree of life that yielded 12 kinds of fruit. The tree yields its fruit every month, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will no longer be any night or any need for lamplight or sunlight because the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Lord gave them paradise. He gave them a place where there was no sin, no death, and no pain. There was work, but... Only the good part of work, the satisfaction side, not the fatigue or the frustration. Maybe more important than anything else in that paradise, the Lord gave them himself. Because they were still holy, the Lord could come and walk with them and talk to them and they could see the Lord face to face and look him in the eye and enjoy his full glory. They had the Lord himself in paradise. And the Lord also gave them the opportunity to worship him. Into that paradise, he put two trees. One was called life. The other was called knowledge of good and evil. And he gave them a very simple command. Do not eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge. This is how you thank me. Right? This is how you worship and glorify me for the paradise that I have given you. Just follow this one simple command. But then suddenly that command was not so simple anymore because the father of lies entered into that paradise and he did what he does. He tempted with half-truths and they fell for it. He got them. They rebelled against God. They failed in their worship, disobeyed his command, and suddenly paradise that the Lord had given them was lost. Now there was sin. Now there was pain. There was still work, but it's work as we know it. Work that includes frustration and fatigue and sometimes long stretches with very little satisfaction. And soon there was going to be physical death too, but maybe worse than anything. They lost their relationship with the Lord. They could no longer handle the Lord's glory. Now when God came and walked in the garden... They ran away from him and they hid. They were afraid because of their sin. They wrecked their relationship with God. Paradise was gone. Now it seems apparent that if they had followed God's command and worshipped him, then after a while the Lord would have told them to go ahead and eat from the tree of life and then they would have lived perfectly in that paradise forever. But now since they disobeyed God and wrecked that paradise, the Lord drove them away from the tree of life. He did that out of love. Now that they were sinful, he didn't want them to eat from the tree of life and live in a broken paradise forever. Before, though, 
he drove them out of that garden and away from the tree of life, the Lord showed love for them in another way. He went after them. He sought them out. Even though in their sin, now they ran from him and hid, the Lord went after them. Because he had something important to tell them. That paradise that they had just plunged into sin, the paradise they had just lost, he was going to restore paradise. Now, he didn't make the promise in that many words. He promised that an offspring was going to come from Eve. And when that saving offspring arrived, he was going to crush the head of Satan, the tempter, and at the same time, Satan would cause this offspring to suffer greatly. Adam and Eve heard what the Lord said. They listened to him, and they believed. They believed that an offspring was going to come from Eve and save them by crushing the head of Satan. And they showed that they believed God's promise by having children. Sometimes you hear <clears throat> married couples these days say, they don't want to have kids or they're not sure if they want to have kids because the world is, is such a dark and messed up place and who could ever want to bring a sweet, innocent child into such a screwy, messed up world like this? If there was ever a couple in history that had a right to feel that way, it was Adam and Eve because they had actually experienced the perfection of that paradise and now they could contrast it with the world that they had wrecked, the paradise that they had lost. But... They trusted God's promise that this saving offspring was coming, so they went ahead and they had children anyway. And it seems that they thought the very first child Eve had already was that saving offspring. And if that's the case, they were off by several thousand years. But they were right on in their faith that the saving offspring was going to come eventually. And in the thousands of years of waiting for the Lord to keep that promise... He kept repeating it, and as he did, there was one image for this Savior, this offspring, that the Lord used more than any other, a lamb. And when that Savior arrived, his forerunner, John the Baptist, pointed to him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, that promised offspring from Eve, he does exactly that. He takes away the sin of the world. Jesus takes away the sin of the world because he's the perfect lamb. He doesn't have the least blemish or defect of sin. He takes away the sin of the world because he's not just the perfect lamb of God. He is also the sacrificial lamb of God. He shed his blood on the cross to wash away the sins of everybody in this world. And when Jesus did that, when he died on the cross... He kept the promise that the Lord made in the garden to crush the head of Satan. He crushed the serpent's head and Satan's hand opened up and released us from his grasp. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, is also the victorious Lamb because he conquered death by rising from the grave on Easter. All the things that wrecked God's paradise, Jesus, the Lamb of God, came to conquer. And he succeeded. And so now, paradise is restored <clears throat> in the kingdom of heaven. And I can't wait to tell you all about it based on five beautiful little passages 
from St. John's Revelation. It's one of the very last sections in the whole Bible. It's like God wants to leave us with this image of what's waiting for us in heaven. But before we get to that, before we take this little tour with St. John of paradise restored in heaven, first a little information or maybe explanation. In most sermons, you're going to hear something, usually more than one thing, about God's will. What God wants you to believe, how he wants you to live your life. And normally you're going to hear some things like that in a sermon for a couple of reasons. First of all, when we hear God's will, it reminds us of where we've come up short in our lives and reminds us that we need that Lamb of God to take away our sins too. And the second reason you hear it is so that after you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll know what God's will is for your life so that you can worship him, you can thank him for Jesus by, by keeping his will in your life. You're not really going to hear much of anything like that in this message today, except maybe for this, that you should live your life knowing that when Adam and Eve wrecked that first paradise, when they lost it, you lost it with them. And when they brought sin and pain and death into this world, they brought it on you and me too. When God drove them away from the tree of life, he was driving us away from eternal life too. And when they ran away from God and hid, we did too. They wrecked our relationship with the Lord as well. But then, you should also live your life knowing this. That everything the Lamb of God has done to restore that lost paradise, he did for you. He is the perfect Lamb of God for you. Perfect in your place. He died on the cross to take away the sins of the whole world, and that includes you. You are part of the world. And he rose from the grave and conquered death so that you will rise too and reign with him. So maybe if there, if there is one pretty simple application to how we should live our lives today, it's this. That we should live our lives in joy. And we should live our lives in peace and comfort, knowing that the Lamb of God has restored paradise for us in the kingdom of heaven, and it is waiting for us. And we should also live in joy and peace and comfort, knowing that everyone we love, everyone we care about who died with faith in Jesus is already there, enjoying that paradise now. And so, now St. John's angelic tour guide gives us a glimpse of what this paradise restored in heaven looks like. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, which was as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Spiritual life always flows from God to his people. While we are here in this paradise lost, while we are sinful people, God sends us spiritual life through his word and through his sacraments. And he does it that way because he loves us. Because we are sinful, God hides his glory behind these masks, a book, bread and wine and water, because we can't handle the full glory of God. So he comes to us through those means. But for the people in heaven, where their sin is gone and their holiness is restored, God does not wear any masks anymore when he sends life to his people. It is from a river that flows directly from 
God and from the Lamb, who restored this paradise with his cross. In the middle of the city street and on each side of the river was a tree of life that yielded 12 kinds of fruit. The tree yields its fruit every month, and its leaves are for the healing of nations. You notice now, unlike that first paradise, there is only one kind of tree in Paradise Restored. There's only the tree of life. The people in heaven no longer have the option of disobeying God and rebelling against him. They are confirmed in their righteousness forever. Only life. And you notice a common theme running through these first couple of verses. You have the river of the water of life, the tree of life. The Paradise Restored is life for God's people. Life with no end to it. And it's life for everyone who trusts in Jesus. John says this tree yields 12 kinds of fruit. 12 is the Bible's number for the church, for everybody of all time and every place who trusts in Jesus as their Savior. In Paradise Restored, there is life for them all, healing and life for all nations, every member of Jesus' church. And so there will no longer be any curse. Paradise was lost, there was a total curse that came out of this world. Sin, death, pain, suffering. In the kingdom of heaven, that entire curse is lifted and gone forever. Paradise restored is paradise complete and permanent. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will worship him. They will see his face. So again, we see God dwelling directly among his people. Where there is sin among God's people, he hides his glory from them because they would not be able to handle it. But here, where God's people are holy again, not one little beam of his glory is hidden from them. Once again, they can look God in the face, eye to eye, and enjoy the full brightness of his glory. And now they respond by worshiping him perfectly, all the time. That's all God wanted in the first paradise was a little worship, a little obedience from Adam and Eve. And now he gets it from all of his people perfectly, constantly. His name will be on their foreheads. Last week, we heard a vision from the prophet Ezekiel. Hopefully, if you were here last week, you still remember a little bit about it. And it's, this is such a marvelous example of how the Old Testament and the New Testament click together and how they support each other in every way. Because in that vision from Ezekiel that we saw last week, Ezekiel looked and he saw a scribe running through the city just before the Lord's judgment came. The scribe was running through the city and he was marking every believer's forehead with a cross. And then when the judgment came, every believer, everyone who was marked with the cross, stood and survived in the judgment. Now here, in the kingdom of heaven, we find those same believers again with Jesus' name written on their forehead. But there really is no difference between the cross of our Savior and his name. Because a name is not just a title. A name is everything you know about a person. And we know this about our Savior Jesus. He used his cross to restore paradise for us. And Jesus' cross, his name is written on your forehead by faith. There will no longer be any night or any need for lamplight or sunlight 
because the Lord their God will shine on them. Even though we are living in a broken paradise, a lost paradise, there definitely are times in this world where you can see God's glory shining through in his creation. Maybe this particular day is not such a great example, but do you remember like Thursday? 71 degrees, perfectly sunny and calm. If you stand outside on a day like that, you can definitely still get a sense of, of God's glory in his creation. But the thing is, no matter how beautiful the day is, in this world, eventually you know the night is coming. That beauty is going to end, and the next day could be like this, right? And the same thing is true just of our lives in general. Even when life is beautiful, things are going wonderfully, you know in the end, night is coming for you. But there is no more threat of that in the paradise restored. There is no more death. There is no more night. There is no more darkness at all. Just the glory of God shining on his people all the time. And they will reign forever and ever. They will reign forever because the lamb who restored this paradise for them rose from the dead and he ascended and he reigns forever and ever. And all of his saints reign with him in that kingdom, a reign that never ends. That's the paradise that St. John sees in his revelation. That is the paradise restored that is waiting for you and me and it is the paradise that every believer in Jesus who has gone ahead of us into heaven is enjoying now, this is what we need to remember as long as we are here in the paradise lost. We need to remember this every time we think of someone we love who has gone ahead of us into heaven. Not only will we be, will we be sad when we think of that person because we miss them, but we will also smile because we know where they are and the paradise that they enjoy. This is the truth we need to remember every day as long as we are here and we struggle with frustration and illness and pain. This paradise is waiting for all of us one day too. And maybe more than anything, this is what we need to remember when we reach the time of our own death. That we see that death as a door to the paradise that Jesus has won for us. We see it not as our end, but as our beginning the reign with the Lamb of God, who has restored paradise for us. Amen.